I thought his cock tasted a stale old smokes, the choke of which, the heat, the stench of pulsing rotten meat that smacked against my throat, is now forever borne into my mind. The sun is streaming through the broken blinds, the beams of light fire right into my skull and pull my glued together lids apart, a direct hit, ugh, me heart. Through gritted teeth I start to squint against its blazing glare, a burst of bright sky sliced the dusty blinds, the state of which reminds me of the stench. A heavy, hanging, fetid funk of sweat, a death to our enlivened rendezvous. The smell of fungus-eaten socks and filthy shoes. My Christ, this lad's a fucking pox. My foggy brain awakes and drinks it in. The memory of the night before resounds. I take in my surrounds. Film and dinner, if you please. We scoffed Chinese, both aware of the true purpose of the night ahead. I please, appease, not known in reputation as a tease, but rather for providing anything a lad's desiring. This time, some cunt the year above, named Anto Ryan. Morning. I see the fuck ceased snoring and he seized me. The smack of bare, damp skin against my back and sin that is his breath attack my cheek. Enough to make me weak. The reek of last night's sweet and sour could knock a rhino out. Its power only diminished by the traces. Debris and bits of chicken in his braces. Rotten. Nice night. Yeah, lovely. Thanks for the... Not a bother, pal. He spoons me close, like lovers on TV. Fuck me. Do you fancy another round? I'll go easier on you this time. The curry-coated brute moves for a kiss. Eh, uh, I have to piss. I'm up. Across the rubbish-coated floor, door of his manky bathroom, my escape. I scrape the last night's makeup off my face, sit on the jacks with head between my legs, relax and breathe. Figure it's time to leave. He's all right, Anto. Not the first, but latest in a long line of lads, the same design. They figure I'm a ride, you see. A ma whose smile and curves have got the power to inspire a swell. A stiffness in their dicks treat me well enough that I might satisfy them. Pricks. A code cracked at some party not long past. A lady learns to use our value fast. Tight tits and arse in order to secure whatever I might want to ask them for. That first one though. The memory stuck. Returns after every night in which I fuck. That party. Birthday of some long forgotten friend. The house upended and me gagging for a drag of someone's half smoked cigarette. Mine, apprehended by the scolding ma, forced me to partake in drastic action. Spa. Shh! I saw him. His eyes bent on thoughts of pleasure of the carnal, primal sort. Cavortons on his mind as he cracks jokes. A bunch of lads, bull faced and empty headed, are in knots. And he's got smokes. I'll blow you for a fag, I smile. His face is not that bad, but while the presence of brain power is not inspired by the dim way in which he's eyed me up, it's evident enough he wants the ride. I speak again, a voice heady and low. I said, I'll blow you for a fag. He freaks and takes a drag from his one as his mates erupt in shrieks of disbelief. I hold his gaze and through the haze of smoke and drinking, the thump of crazed house music, he knows I mean it. Suddenly I do. My desire for this fag is so acute that I'm willing to encourage this lad's... Well, after this, riding's an easy transaction. All I need, some lad in need of action. You all right in there? I'm Grant, just a bit sick. Oh, er, okay. Do you want me to... Fuck off! I'm, er, I'm late for school. The taste starts rising in me throat again. I'm almost sick. 
The far-off memory quick to seize me as I hide in Anto's loo. The blue sky beckons me, escape and flee. Make me excuse, grab me gansy, tie and shoes and go. Past Anto, scrambling for his jocks. Squeeze past the septic kitchen, almost clocked by the dad jacking off to porn next door. Flora. And now I'm out on Anto's lawn. And I'm thrown into the bright and early dawn. And don't the sky stretch out above me head like some great big rolling gentle sea. Free of the close smell of Aunt Orion's gaff, a swell of breeze to soothe my aching skin as bare feet touch the grass. Shh. Hear that? Huh? <laughs> it's a tip. No, I'm serious, I see it. A burst of bright blue feathers cuts the air a half inch from my cheek. A streak of yellow darting all graceful, easy, warm in mouth. He loops and whirls about me like a dance on air. Not a fucking care in the world. Just flying. Cyanosteus Chiruleus, he is. Me dad taught me that. Refused to shut up about it, actually. The Latin names for boards and blooms and anything that grew in the folds of our broke-down back garden, his domain. It's not much, you know? An overgrown slice of land, more cement and weed than that, and that'd grow, but he'd know what to look for. Dazed boards, lost bats, even a poppy patch. Treasures a less sharp eye would never catch. He was like that. He couldn't build a feeder because of all the shit that Ma would find dripping down her air and sheets, but still he'd scatter seed like sweets at windowsills so I could watch them. Miss it. Sometimes. The fucking neighbours now are staring at me, glaring from behind their dead azaleas, failing to understand the calm that bird bestows. So I'm away again. Run off, follow the trail of Mr Blue Skybird to find a spot that's clear of prying eyes. He's long gone now, sunk deep into a stretch of sky the colour of his wings. Just free. I've always loved the mornings. Soft, you know. The nighttime's good for madness, for riots of parties that stretch on and leave stone-cold destruction in their wake. But I would take the quiet rise of sun over that shit any day. The early board catches the warm, kiddo. <laughs> yeah, I know, Da. What's he, eh? Girl, what's he? I don't know. Course you do. Eh, uh, listen. Eh, uh, eh, uh, It's uh, a m- m- magpie. Carve a day, pick a pick a. One for sorrow. Sorrow? Don't worry, love. It's just like an expression. So is that bird bad luck? Da? Fuck. The time is flying past me fast now and I'm late and in my troubled eon and sleepless state I run towards the gates of St. Marie's. With ease I slip right through them, hasten to that long familiar room, my doom already preordained by her. The jackal. Punishment a fact, already unavoidable, probably plotted in our sick old head. The Sister Margarita, guardian of our spiritual growth, the jackal. Called so for a smile so plastered to her face, a grin so laced with malice that it drips out of the corners of her lipstick lips. I dread it, even coming in here now to face that woman. Sallow paper skin, a nose that can smell sin. Realise my head's not quite in best condition to go in for ten straight rounds of pain against that bitch. I weigh my options and decide to peg it when she spots me. 
where are flashing pearly whites about to leg it. To her right's a stream of unmistaken heads now bobbing up and down in single file. She leads them away from the doom and gloom of chalk-dust-coated classrooms, marching towards St. Marie's old garden of holy bliss. With a curt glare, a clear message arrives. I beg my pardon as I slip in line behind the girls. Colette, I notice first. Blonde hair and bouncing curls you couldn't miss. And then comes Lorna's rotund form behind. She hurls abuse at me beneath our breath. You'll get us both in trouble, she protests, her lisp pronouncing double by the threat. I wink at her and smile, and as we file obedient towards the school's green square, all bobbin heads of bouffant hair, patent leather shoes, and smell of last night's booze that's still wafting from a guilty mouth or three. We follow Marguerite's twisted scowl. The foul stench of weak old cabbage guides us and step along her stride, pride welling at the helm of our imperfect little crew. Yours truly towards the back, best friends in tow, the hack of us disgraceful in this space. But not a patch on how we'll be tomorrow. Colette reminds me with a cackle soft and undetectable and she's not wrong. Not long till I'm reminded of our plan and I am buzzing for the night ahead. Tonight, reluctant leader of this crew, mascara smudged, heads totally wrecked through, myself and my devoted pair against the glare of that unfathomable sky. We snicker and the jackal's eyes react, head snaps round like an owl, the full 180 to root the root of our enjoyment out. Her eyes lock with mine, and fuck, I'm hanging, still from the antics of the night before. Tried to hide it. I tried to contain, can't let her see the thumping, trundling, screaming in my brain. It's banging in behind me eyes, and fuck me, it's too early for this shit. She doesn't seem to notice my dismay, and whips her head back, leading us towards the green of St. Marie's Garden of Holy Bliss. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is this? I mean, don't get me wrong, a morning watching those trees and fruits and flowers shine with dew beats any maths class by a country mile, but sound of music never has been this nun's style. Fanned by the familiar breeze, she leads us deep into the leafy greens. We pick our way through patch and batch of carrots, shoots, broad beans, snatch apples as they hang down off trees, full of uncertain dread. She sits us down upon a mound of earth, lousy with thorns and weeds and unclean shit and flowers wild and all we know is fuck. This can't be good. Beneath the pleasant sun, the jackal's smile darkens the wrinkled corners of her face and she begins to eye us up. The cracks, fissures that cut their way through her old skin behind the modern hair and too big grin. The thin-rimmed spectacles around bright eyes disguise an age almost forgotten. Hints of a time long since past, when she was known by quite another name. She's ancient, she is. Don't let her fool you. Generations of girls have felt her sting. Me own ma, one cracked pearl upon the string. Unfortunate, subjected to her teaching. Preaching that scarred many not hard enough to withstand her. She's cocked that vicious grin at me before. Eyes to the ground, firmly ignore. I see her bone-white hands cup something small and red. She's plucked a pansy from the soil and holds it. And like a pool of blood, she folds it close, closes her palms and speaks. You may find a flower you like and straight back. No fussing, no screeching, no roughing, no dawdling. Quiet descends a moment while we all scope out the spoils. We start to fall upon the little bursts of reds and pinks and blues, the kinds of violent hues that are expelled from here, a place like Colosse de St. Marie's. 
descended upon now by all the girls in whirls and whoops and giggling, shrieking laughs. We excel at our task, erupt now crazed with eyes choosing and hands grabbing underneath her watchful gaze, our morning maths class reefing dead daisies from the earth. I soon joined them. Colette and Lorna lost among the leaves, I take this opportunity to rest my tender head. And now it starts to pound. I stagger from the madness of the ground from which they madly pluck and fucked. I stagger to the roses. Too soon to be ideal, buds unbroken by the seal of summer, and I breathe deep the dewy morning air. Oh, hey, yeah. Oh God, tonight's the night, it seems. Recovery essential to our well-laid plans. Wrapped up in Anto's over-eager hands, it slipped my mind. Forgot the clock was winding down. Club Diva opens doors for the first time and there's a lot riding on this one, lads. Club Diva, like a siren calling with the pump and throb and writhing our hot bodies. The hot house smell and sharp and steady flow of drink and dance and possibility. The chance of getting in increased by far thanks to the bouncer, Colette's don't and da. A wild one preordained, now guaranteed. The jackal's eyes are on me. And I wretch, before she has a chance to fetch me, I'm digging my hands into the sleeping bush, now fumbling for a flower to appease. Skin thankful for the cool touch of the leaves, faint scratching of the thorns, a welcome sting. Somewhere deep among the dark green, something gleams, and petals, smooth and soft, do graze my skin. Just one white rose, all sleepy, calm and cool, the gentle folds of feathery flower wrapped up. A quiet power takes over as I look, quiet, new, no end and no beginning. Perfect. Can hear her heels sinking into the earth. She thunders towards me and almost gets stuck now as I yank the flower from its place and turn back to grace her with my presence. With each of us returned, our presence rests with pride between our lacquered fingertips. The jackal's magnified eyes seek to find Imelda Parkinson, the kind of girl whose mind was long left drowning in the gutter. Fingers flutter around some scruffy daffodil. The old nun beckons her towards the front and with a guttural grunt she turns to face us. The ratty yellow flower shook in her grip. Imelda? Miss? She always was a cheeky fucking rip. Imelda, what does a flower like that one mean to you? Eh? She looks to us, comrades in arms for help, and fuck me if I'm saving her from drowning. The jackal's frowning now beneath her stammer. Eh? 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 It's pretty, miss. It's what? It's pretty, miss. It's gorgeous, like. Like, delicate. Something that's there and gone before you've had a chance to touch or hold or see it real up close. Something kind of sad about it. Fragile. Like a dream or a sunset or a... Eh. Fuck. All right, that's quite enough. Imelda at this stage is looking rough. Exertion of her brain's exhausting work, conversion of her fumbling thoughts to words, more effort than she's used to, must be said. Your flower is purity, your soul, as it shines before the Lord. Look, 
at what you have in front of you, girls. It's perfect. Untainted. Unbroken. Your flowers purest. This is a speech rehearsed and well versed as I am in her approach to nurturing and sustaining Catholic guilt. I'll admit this method new, this tactic strange. And now there grows dark feelings in me go. A trepidation cuts across my heart. And now, after my many, many years upon this earth, girls, you can see my flowers unbroken. Free completely from the mark of sin. Perfect as it was at birth. What do we say to that? The same, I hope. She tells us our flower is all our souls are worth, and imperfection, blemished souls were bound for the infernal, damned the next life and this. With malice to Imelda she instructs for each impurity of thought or mind to pluck away a petal from her soul. Miss? Go on, girl. For your sins. Hail Mary, full of grace. Her metal ceasing with each tear, a tough bitch, for her strength begins to wear as pluck, pluck, pluck. The yellow flower decreased, and fuck, I fear she won't survive it. The eyes that watch her pull her purity apart till finally she ceases. Nothing left but stem, and all them bits of daffodil just fluttering on the honey-coated breeze. And what remains? The jackal twists her papery lips to grin, Imelda's head bowed low beneath her gaze, just begging God to rid her of her sin. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Soon we all were to pull apart our blooms. One rip for every dip into that pool of sin brought on by hormones, love and Tesco gin. The greasy skin of Anto filled my thoughts and shattered as the petals of my rose scattered themselves into the welcome breeze. The beauty of them eased into the air, perfection drained with each stab of my thoughts. I could feel myself begin to ebb away. I dwindled as Lorna's sad sunflower shrunk and Colette preened a daisy in disgust. A gust of wind threw up the petals of a thousand shattered dreams into the air, and as the sun marked noon, we were relieved. The message was received wholeheartedly. Imelda, broken, partly from its cruelty. Tordis Marula. Where were you when I needed you? Lunchtime, and with the chime of bells, we waft towards the ladies on the second floor like bats from hell to get an early start. Colette is smart enough to come prepared, ensnared buckets of Bombay sapphire from the parents' chest, the fire of which soon sets my tender head a-reeling, staring blankly at the tiles of the whitewashed ceiling, all grotty with a mould that's older than the jackal is. (laughs) We gulp and gulp and gulp. This will be it. The night to end all nights. Yeah, gaffers are all right, but the great boom and bustle of the club is something new. Never forget your force, they say. And as my balls from the gin grew, so too the aching of my limbs to be there, be in that melee. Fantasies punctuated by the brazen giggles of our local gays. The girls, Mickey and Joe, stuck in a cubicle below our heads and going for it like hell, or sounds like it. Soon, Lorna pounds the door. Shut up, will you? Don't pay us any mind. That's the local lesbos for you. Not inclined to keep their cunts inside their kills till home time. Try to ask what they thought about them on. Them whirls of petals unwilling to escape my mind. Those little shreds of souls floating among the dirt. It hurts me swimming head to think about it. So instead, I drink. Don't go getting sick over that shite. 
Colette's nasally voice pierces my thoughts like a needle to the brain. It's just a panic over the dawn, sisters. They're up the duff. The next ones. That's six this year alone, she tells us. Six have fucked their way to buggies and breastfeeding. The youngest one, the little dawn, 14. The da scarpered into thin air. The pair now sisters only due two weeks apart. Most of the parents, teachers, are in shock for these two girls so young as thought to be unable to fend off oncoming cock, their fates now sealed in their stupidity. What they don't know is that the pact was made. These babies, not a sign of lambs who've strayed, but a plan willingly executed by the obliging dicks of St Michael's Boys School out in the sticks. One dick, it seems, among the dozens, the Dunn babies doomed to live as siblings too, as well as cousins. Don't let get you. Lorna decides to helpfully chime in. We've got the plan ahead. She's right, I nod. We've got a game to win. I banish the petals from my mind, only to find the pussy lickers stumbling from their hideaway. Adjusting their knickers, mac and lip gloss to hide all signs of gay. The stench of sex drowned in impulse body spray. They're all right too, you know. It's not their fault they came out queer. It's hard, growing up in a place like here. Just girls and fucking nuns and not a lad in sight. Can see why someone might turn to Vag, all right. You won't tell the jackal, will you? That's Mickey, adjusting tussled hair from side to side. She wipes a touch of sherry shimmer from her lover's cheek. We can't get caught one more time. Or... We all nod with a knowing wink and smile. It's not on to rat out riding, wouldn't be, regardless if they're eating cock or gay. They exit as the drink floats to my head. We're at the mirror, feeling fairly sick as Lorna smears pan stick between the folds of our numerous chins. The bins are giving off a stench of weak old blood and those white petals are still whipping round my banging, tortured brain. Colette starts to stain our lips bright red, suggests I steal a dress from Lady Eve tonight. The Lady Eve, Aoife, me older sis, who took a taste from the forbidden fruit and lived to tell the legendary tale. She's the light of the parents' life by day. By night was famous for her dalliances, her valiance in her quest to get the ride a thing to be admired, her desire to fuck any and all she could, only eclipsed by her giant balls in carrying out the act. In fact, they say she climbed into the street to ride some guard a midway through his bee. In my household, that kind of shit's the norm. Should have think for lads in uniform. Tried to respond. Unfortunately, the bond of sisterly goodwill between Eve and I does not extend to wardrobes much. She'd kill me if I even touched anything that might work. <laughs> Is she all right? Who are the... Shh! Imelda? Imelda Parkinson. Curled up beside the jacks, sobbing snotty tears behind her backs. Colette can only roll her shadowed eyes. Girls that aren't hard, not tough enough to properly withstand humiliation at the jackal's hand, can only be abandoned on the shelf. Sure, it's hard enough to look out for yourself. And yet, there's something cloying at my adult mind. Some memory I find troubling, bubbling up. Black guilt swallows me whole. The toll of a cruel but inspired attack upon the open locker of Imelda. It began with the sister, Lady Eve, holder of the key to a trove of treasures. This one particular occasion, a room left unlocked and unattended. The pong of Paco Rabanne enough to drag us in to find her fabled treasure chest. The jackpot. We'd heard tell of it, but not believed. Even me, the baby sister, never seen, yet here it was. The masturbation station. Called it our memory box. A great big wooden thing, padlock on it could trap Houdini. Here, swung open and abandoned, mid-use. Its contents glowing up for all to see. Vibrators, 
dildos and all manner of unmannerly devices. Choices ranging from a gentle hum to a jackhammer. Fucking cocks and balls and shafts and friendly gadgets of all sizes, shapes, material, glass, rubber, plastic, metal, these inventions standing tall like soldiers at attention. We cleaned it out. Next day, our school bag spilling with its contents, we watched the clocks till lunchtime. Resolute. Race to our locker as she scarfs our lunch and fill it with a lot. The bunch. Fill it till it's bursting with the buzz and gentle hum, vibrating, throbbing, thumping against the door. The glass one shattered at Imelda's feet as she opened the thing. The message clear. No need for fucking Aunt O'Ryan with the stash you've got in here. Three weeks detention and apology. Should have been more, really. Got off light. The fight with Eve was vicious late that night. Cheeks all burnt up, embarrassed, mortified, bloodied and scratched. Lied to the man, da. Said I'd robbed some expensive mascara. (laughs) So here's Imelda, crying in the jacks. She spots me spying now in scarpers. My mood seriously fucking darkened by the heartbroken ratty face of her. Bell rings. We grab our things and soon we're off to face the final inconvenience of the day before the wildness can begin. A streak of classes passes and we hurtle through the day, pray for release, the Bombay ceasing its effect. I watch the endless drone of fucking teachers moan, try to insert a thought into our disinterested brains. The groan of classmates drains me of me last ounces of life until we're off. The bell sends bags round backs back to the jacks for one more swig of the demon drink before the long trek home to prepare our supplies. Confirm our alibis. Planned and watertight. Lorna sleeping in my gaff, I'm staying in Colette's, and Colette's ma couldn't give a fuck. So hey, bye grand. The fucking air's like ice as the cold sun is sinking low into the sky by now, and already I'm thinking what the fuck I'm going to wear to this. No ordinary night, out on the usual tear, but the beginning of something entirely new. Which one is that, da? Palumba Palumbus. Is it an owl? Can I see? No such luck. See? That's a pigeon. Not just any pigeon. That's a wood pigeon. Dumbest boards you'll come across in this corner of the world. Always reminds me of him. That low hoot. That thick as shit fat bird you watching me. Warm. Sleepy eyes all nestled in the trees, even as I freeze on me long trek home. Sometimes I think... He sent them to look out for me. He can't, you see. Not for want to try and he does his best. Lays on the love and all the rest. He taught me all I know. But see, sometimes these things just aren't that easy. He gets busy, you know. He's got adventures to be going on, mountains to climb and rare species to track. Been gone a while now, but soon he'll be back, regaling us with tales of his success. Just wait and see. This disappearing act of his is needed, only temporary. Spend all day watching all them birds beyond the windowsill and, well, surely you'd want to fly away as well. Shut the fuck up, you. We begin our trek home. Colette's off first. She lives up the far end. I'll meet you at the bus stop, don't forget. We won't. I'm left with Lorna now, reluctantly. We hike her hulking form, slowing us down up the hill to the dodgy side of town. And if I'm honest, I never really cared for her. The lisping, wobbly chains and hair like a nest of fucking spiders on her head. We hang out because she's Colette's cousin, forced upon us by our nattering aunt at age 13. No mates of our own to be seen, more often found picking our nose around the canteen, scoffing up enough for three. But we benevolently entertain the poor girl, 
protect her from potential pain and suffering at the hands of all the rest. We try to squeeze her underneath their wings. Still, though, she brings her disadvantages. And as she pants at the pot's fractional incline, I dread to think of how she might affect the night ahead. A fine trio will be. Colette, the supermodel, this fat bitch and me. I can feel a nervy edge to her tonight. We pick our way through the familiar bush that connects the village to our rundown street. Climb beneath the broken wire fences, edge round the nettles, mud and broken glass. Club divas clearly bouncing through our brain, and the refrain of the jackal's petals mixed with a headache from the gin can't help. I turn to ask if she's alright to find her face an inch apart from mine. Her breath, all hot and salty, starts to burn my cheeks. Her mouth's hanging half open to reveal a tongue that tests the waters. Snaps shut, opens again, eyes roll like she's searching to find the words. Lorna, what the fuck is up with you? Without another move, she's lunged at me, my face plunged into the softness of her mouth. She's kissing me. Lorne is kissing me. And I notice that I haven't stopped her yet. She's grabbed a handful of my hair, a storm is brewing somewhere in her core, and before I have a chance to think, I round on the bitch. A slap, stinging her wet mush, and with a rush of cold night air, we're back among the broken bottles of our street. Hearts pounding, chests heaving, minds racing. And it's only now, the rush of it is left, I notice something. Pouring down my thighs, a sort of soft, wet, wet that I don't know, that I cannot identify at all. My heart's still jumping furious in my chest, the nest of Lorna's hair is much disturbed and the storm in her eyes has burst its banks. She cries, a whimper, cracked and soft and broken sorrow drowned between the fat that shrouds her face. And fact is, I don't know whether to hug or knock the bitch around. Her taste still lingers, curious on my breath and on her face. A look of certain death. I'm sorry, I... It's fine. It was even nice, almost. It's fine, forget it, please, let's just... I have to go, I'm sorry. No way, please, Lorna, come back! Fuck. There's something wrong inside me, in me heart. I start to shake a little as I walk. Need to get home. Feel like the soft, wet wet's about to burst or leak from under me. I'm trembling still. The oddness of what's happened eats me whole. Home. Me gaff. Sanctuary is in sight at last. In the door, upstairs, straight past me ma, eyes glued to the great telly. Simon Cowell, his scowl magnified by the HD screen. Head straight for the bedroom, a Lady Eve. Lashing a tan, a quick spray of perfume. I scan the wardrobes. Chest of drawers. The floors, for something will be fit the night ahead. I feel the shape of me curves in our mirror. The two wide hips and too thin chest and think what dress might hide it best instead suggest a sexiness that lies beneath what clothes me give up and go for something tight dark blue won't leave much to imagination but it might imply the kind of night I'm out to have the lumps and bumps abandoned to the mercy of club divas throbbing lights alright ah shy. And here's the Lady Eve, in doorway stood, old ratty dressing gown and frown which cracks the surface of her coconut balm face mask. Doesn't even ask me what I'm doing, going through our stuff. She seems to know enough so that she only turns and smiles and says, What's up? I'm fucked. She's blocked me on the exit. The worry on her face is worse than if she was annoyed. No doubt deployed by the fretting ma to come and talk nice, entice me to stay in. The worry cracks more lines into her mask. The task of talking to me far too great. Role of reluctant sister doesn't fit this dolly board who'd rather paint our nails than watch her sister spiral off the rails. Fuck off. Babe, don't. No, I'm not in the mood for any of this crap. 
The pounding, throbbing of club music is calling me to get away, forget about the madness of this day and throw myself into the night. Cause the stress of Aunt Orion, wilting flowers, Imelda sobs is tight around me and I'm sure the mobs of drunken bodies is the only cure for this... this feeling that I just can't seem to shake away. You sure you want to go out there tonight? Yeah, I am. Could stay in if you like. We can watch films and I'll put on a pot of tea. Maybe it could be fun. Be a crack. If you think a few snacks is enough to keep me, no. I just thought... I thought maybe that you'd like... Well, you thought wrong. I'd be running late soon. If you just wait one second... What? It's not. I've just... You've got to hear me out before you leave. I'm listening. Heard about them girls. Did you? The Duns, yeah? Fucking spas. Always wear. Yeah, yeah, well, they're Egypt's not like me, I've got a brain. Yeah. Brights to bone. Brains wasted in a fucking kip like Diva. I tell her. Her concern's appreciated, but my desire to leave is unabated. I swerve, flip her the board and try to leave, but she won't stir from in front of the door, let out a roar and nothing. I'm just trying to talk to you. You've nothing to say that I might want to hear. We're worried about you. We? We? Since when does anyone worry about me? Since... Since I do. I always do. You don't have to go out there and fuck them. Da wouldn't have... Da's not here. Riding is for sluts who have no self-respect. Sure, I lead them on and get them hot and bothered, but... You never take it all the way. Otherwise, what's left? What? My heart thuds in my chest. The lady sighs. That look of pity bores into my heart. And then I dart again towards the door. How dare she? All of a sudden the world makes less sense. The Lady Eve was famous for her bent, for fucking everything wasn't nailed down. For half my life the admiration grew for the sheer size of the balls on the shrew. The talk, the tales, the stories and acclaim, the fame... The memory of that stale smoke smell returns to quell my hatred for a bit. Start feeling sick again. Start feeling tricked, betrayed by an image cultivated that led me down a path of hatred. Sin. The Lady Eve's flower remains untainted. All while the sainted jackal did mine in. Don't write them, dear hon. That's why you needed all them rubber cocks to make you come. A smack. The cracks in Eve's face cream, they seem to radiate now from her scowl. She wipes her burning tears into her towel and now it's my cheek that's stinging from the impact and brings a twin tear to my matching eye. I'm here to try and help you. To advise you and keep you safe from all that could hurt or harm you. But the fact is, I'm not equipped with the wisdom that can send you on your way. I want to help you, but I don't know what to say. And even if I did, you're past the point in listening to me anyway. Your dad's not coming back. I'm sorry, but it's been a year or more since we last heard a peep. Just up and left us while we were asleep. That isn't true. Alone? No, no, a call. No sign he even misses us at all. Christ, girl. I know it hurts. I do. Ma couldn't give a fuck if either of us lay down the ditch and didn't rise, but I love you. 
And my heart burns with the knowledge that what's out there isn't going to bring you any happiness or good. I don't know what will, but maybe we could figure it out. The pair of us. Over endless cups of tea and shitty old teen movies. Maybe we could spare ourselves a lot of pain. Stay home. God knows I'll never figure out this mess alone. Get out. Have to. Grab me bag and run out into the sun to find the bastard set and all that's left the dark, dull glow of stars. I charge far as I can from that old house, from the nights in, talking, and from cups of tea, from tears of sisterly concern that I'm not fit to handle. Can't. And now the dance of all them fucking petals has returned and more tears burn themselves into me sockets. Refuse to let them fall. Just stall it to the bus. Stall it to Lorna and Colette and dancing, thumping, throbbing and the kind of world I know can understand. What does she know anyway about Da? Just jealous she is of everything we had. Jealous of the birds, the words he taught me, his escape. Can't fathom that the shape of his love for me was larger than she knows. He'll be back soon. I know he will. For sure. We're on our way. We're feeling fine. Good. Great. Well, grand. We fall onto the bus, stand out among the crowd. Air glitz and glamour, clothes tight and colours loud. But on my mind's the churning of that sky. It's dull and bluey black through plastic glass against bus windows smacked with shit and muck. So fucked that you couldn't count the stars or find the moon when we at last stepped off, all laughing, strewn onto the streets, him glad to see the back of us for all the madness and that we didn't pay our proper fares. He's swearing at us now, but by the time we hear we're far beyond his stupid bullshit now. We're off across cobbles of Temple Bar, our arms lock arms, cause combination of skyscraper heels and vodka feels that this, our journey might be perilous at best. Colette with curls cascading so they catch the non-existent starlight and her laughing and then bouncing like they've life in them themselves. Her Lorna looks nice in her sparkles. Frills built to distract you from the waterfalls of fat around her chin. She shimmers. Nicely. Faintly in the glow. She's strangely silent in the city din. She hobbles, Colette waltzes and I walk. Eusquinia Megarinchos, Nightingale. The Board of Poets Da used to always say, What's he doing out tonight, I wonder? Trilling a song along the thunder of cars, the babbling siren song at Temple Bar. Come on, you tick! What are you looking at? Just a minute. You shouldn't be here, little board, you know? Your song, it can't be heard right in a place like this. Fly home. You aren't safe here on your own. Diva! 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 Yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. The air is pulsing when we reach the throng. All legs and hair and pongalinks decried club divas open doors. We spy the queue. A mess of polo shorted lads and moths. All they've got shoved into spandex leggings. Arses jiggling and tits begging to escape. Lurched to the surface like swimmers gasping for a fresh breath of air. It's to Colette, I turn, and in the haze she cocks one eye to gaze in the direction of her man, Colette's elder. Familiar visage set into the scowl of his profession, growl that's permanently sewn onto his face. The soft round gent took me to swimming lessons, now replaced by a thick body full of threats set like a pit bull licking piss off nettles. 
All thoughts of petals gone now from my head, no longer dread, but waves of newfound joy deploy across my veins. We saunter towards him, face cracked in half into an awful smile, beguiled by air excitement, lets us in. Then, in a whisk of muffled hello yous and how do you do's, we're weaving through the queue, and with a nod and wink we're past the doors and sink into the sweat and stink of it. The flashing bright of strobes, dark corners loaded with limbs fumbling in the dark, cascada barking loud enough to creep into your bones. Before our newfound buzz can fade, it's shots, down in something sharp as swallowing a sword, down your throat like medicine and quicker than a Panadol on period day, it's straight into my head and the crack is reaching 90 lads. There's a barman. Smiles a smile that knocks me flat. All clean shaved, emerald eyes and hazel hair. A well-timed stare might just secure a complimentary drink or two. Ensure my buzz is not afforded to deplete. I try to flash a smile that's sweet enough to reel him in, but limbs are pulling at me. My veins are blazing with a dagger drink and gravity has loosened its tight hold. We float on feet that barely brush the floor. Colette is gliding like some dream and even Wobbly Lorna lifted like a gleaming swan in flight, all sparkling silver, gold. The warm, wet dark of it gobbles us up into the pit of bodies, move, move, sway, like a great nest of wasps about to sting and I'm falling in with them. Fist closed tight on Lorna's lacquered nails and Colette's curls to give me strength, but bodies seem to rise up from the floor, to pull and paw at us, to separate and split, divide and conquer, and Colette's unearthly glow is fading in the mass, and hands are pulling at me like pictures of hell I'd seen on old school walls, and Lorna gone now. Lorna too. And Jesus help me breathing in the sweat and smell, and suddenly the sword I've swallowed slashes at my guts and tears me inside out. I'm gone. I try to fall, but limbs and arms and shoulders hold me up, buffet me across the floor till I'm ejected like a bin bag. Manky. Ejected from that heaving mass right onto hazel eyes and emerald hair. Or was it? Fuck it. Either way, it's him. His cup glass jaw and liquid eyes and arms like metal bars that hold me up. He asks, Are you alright, young one? His voice, a flock of angels sent from heaven. Yeah, I'm grand. I'm grand. Just. Don't let go a sec. I clasp one arm so as to steady and ignore the battle raging in my guts. The slosh bubbles bore me like firewater, like a witch's brew. You sure you're grand? I'm deadly. I clasp him tighter now, and not for want of smiles or drinks or even of the ride for real as fire in me ignites and blazes and my hands first, then knees, then chin me floor. One more cry of, you all right? I hear before the wretch. The spew, not missing his expensive pair of shoes. Ham sandwiches for lunch, stained blue with wicked and the gin, much to this gorgeous chap's chagrin. A second to revolt, a lip curls in disgust and now he's gone. Before I notice, I'm too weak to go on. And from me rotten pool of puke, I see reflected in the glow, shining colour. Arms and tongue locked with those of some dark stranger. And from my burning throat, a pleading groan, but she's beyond my petty problems now. Her eyes lock mine, a bee, and then a quick retreat, fingers entwined with the tall handsome. My eyes, they rake the place to find a saviour. The failure on my legs to stand abandons me to call and shout and whimper, please, for Lorna! All that longing, crying, grabbing at my hair, definite sign that she must care enough to save me, gave me hope that this nightmare was close to ending. 
And there she is. The great big ballerina swan is gone. Her bloated body wedged between two lads, her eyes locked deep with mine, sat at the edge of that great hornet's nest. She turns away. She and the lad are lost into the fray. I'm abandoned, knee deep in me own cold sick, with dyes on me like I'm a thing diseased. I feel hot splashes now to burn my face. Tears dyed black by false flash effect mascara blinds me to everything except a great pink sparkling ballerina swan flying across the floor before the dark and sweat and smell of bile is all I have to know. Next, cold, gasp, plunges and brought back to life. Weapon of choice, a bucket of ice water, time enough to choke, to cough, to breathe, and plunged again, hair writhes around me like a wreath of snakes. Better. Comes a familiar voice as I'm released and choke, begin to retch, but not much left, just spitting ice like dragons breathing fire. Better. Again, and I begin to realise this place, this room, I do not recognise. Some old abandoned bathroom down below the thumping madness. Urinal sat akimbo across the black and white tiled floor. Rough hands against my neck, I whirl. My buzz has well and truly left the building as I beg my now-soaked mind to try recall the stay-safe code, now staring down the nose of piss-faced the bouncer. Colette's dad... His hand still on my neck, Pitbull visage contorts into a look of genuine concern. Better. All right. All right. All right. And so it goes a while, and as I come back to life, we sit, talk shit, assures me I'm okay, promises to find Colette and send us homeward bound. Relief resounds inside my pounding heart. He passes me a beer and asks, what brought the mess around? I swallow. Not the fiery heat of the demon drink, but dirty, dull and throbbing sends a warm spread through my toes and start to warm up to the nettle-licking pissy face of him. Drink like it's water from the holy spout and I'm telling him the lot. The barman, Lady Eve and Aunt Orion and the great battle of the demon drink in the tummy of yours truly. Him all sympathy and smiles and how's about another one? His pissy pitbull face has softened to a look I can remember. And kindness now seems to flow from the cracks round his eyes. Hot summers when we passed out ice creams. Dances with little feet stood on his toes. Colette's so lucky. How come? To have you. It's not till this point I remember that I don't know where I am. I look as though to ask and to explain that his compassion's been the highlight of a night that really has to end now. But before I can, then suddenly the dirty water taste is in my mouth again. He's flicking. Probing, opening with the tongue that's strong and sure and nothing the soft and grease of Anto, no, but hard. And all is grabbing roughness, hurt. Oh yes, there's hurt as well, somewhere between. No longer just a dad dripping ice cream. There's pawing, licking, grunting and hearts racing and tongue slapping and stop! Stop, please stop! Did you know my dad? Did you know him? Waiting outside swimming lessons to pick your matching daughters up? Small talk at school gates? Did he tell you when he went away? But he's not listening. He can't hear because your mouth is otherwise engaged. Did he tell you about the birds? Catch him feeding them from Pam in the front garden as you wandered past? Did he confide in you from one dad to another? Did you know? He's got you close and you're born and born and with the want to know the answer. But you can't ask and still you feel it now. You feel a soft, a soft, 
a soft, wet, wet, and coming now. It's coming strong and sure, a steady stream across the gentle parts, meatiest bits of the carcass, and you don't know whether, don't know, don't know, you don't know where you end, and he begins. Sinus deus carulius, corvide, pick a pick a, columba palumbus, sinus deus carulius, corvide, pick a pick a, columbus, columba palumbus, sinus deus carulius, corvide, pick a pick a, columba palumbus, sinus deus carulius, corvide, pick a pick a, columba palumbus, and the nightingale, the nightingale, the night. Is this fear or pleasure or some horror mix of both? With the tongue still flicking and the hands still probing, the wet seeping out you like teardrops down your thighs. But now you're moaning moans and sounding sounds like no noise you make from day to day. No noise you hear outside the catcall chorus, midnight hour behind the bins, all low. Sinus deus carulius corvidae, pick a pick a columba palumbus. Sinus deus carulius corvidae, pick a pick a columba palumbus. Sinus deus carulius corvidae, pick a pick a columba palumbus. Like a violin gone sour, reaching up high and high as if to break the glass or scratch the stars. You're a da. You're a da like him and yet you're here. Is this where fallen da's end up? Beneath floorboards with hands grasping at chunks of flesh as their girls dance ignorant above their heads. The way is paved. I'm shattered. Split in half, sliced like a knife. Stabs through me, wet and glistening as I drip, and all that crash and pound, soft, wet, sandpaper tongues and mewling, melting violin shouts all mixed like sloshing paint. Da? Da? Please come back. Please, please come back, Da, please. The Nightingale. The Nightingale. What was the name for it? I could just remember. Until a flood comes pouring with the shout and bite I'm pulled to something might be more than I can bear. Da, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. More than can be contained within the tight space of my body. Shouting, shouting, smash and smack and roar. The pour, the pour continues as teeth gnash, skin smacks, sweats, nails scratch as it subsides. I cling onto the old man's hide for safety as we fall down to the black and white tiled floor, all sweat and spit and cum and don't know what, and always hard comes soft and goo and jelly size. And that's enough now. That's enough. Enough. What's that one, Da? Hirundo rustica. Swallow. See that tail? Nothing like it. Can we keep him? Afraid not, kiddo. Don't stick around those boats. Best we can do is enjoy them while they're here. Where do they go, Da? Dunno. Best guess is south for the winter, I suppose. Can we go south for the winter? Might do, my girl. Might do. I don't know how I did get home. They found me roaming near the club, grub of the night before still clinging to my skin and dress and hair, eyes gazing at the fair rise of the morning sun. Somehow was brought, returned, a broken toy into the arms of a dressing-gowned Lady Eve, all wrapped up, bunged, a baba in the womb, confined to the warm safety of a room that held no comfort to me now, 
How could it? Slip off the dark blue body sock and let the pitter-patter of warm wet surround me. Shower that drowns me clear and clean and new, but still, there's something wrong. The filth comes through. The drops that graze my skin with their softness and settle at my feet. Their softness. Settles. Petals from the shower head to cleanse me. White petals ripped from flowers touch and end me. Discarded, severed, parted, shredded souls of me and Lorna and Colette. Imelda. Of the jackal and the lady Eve as well. Each one of us confined to hell in this world or the next. I drowned my heart that night. We all did. Lost them. Swallowed by bulldog bouncers with hearts cold and lads with half-picked spots and smoky breath. My flower-soft tears now mingle with the rush, the gush of water dripping down my mouth. My hips, lips, thighs, my stomach, spine, those parts obliterated by them, so many of them. The touch of those who asked so little, took so much. But how can I complain? I can't ignore. Sure wasn't my soul discarded long before. You have just been listening to Petals by Gillian Greer. The play was directed by Jedda Debris and starred Kate Gilmore. Script consultant was Lisa Tierney-Kyo. This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.